You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Uh, Right now, though, let's get our Bibles out. Are you ready for a Bible study this morning? We also have the communion table set, and uh, we are going to partake in communion together today as well. If you need a Bible, the ushers will give you one. Just raise your hands, and you want to find your way to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. We are going through the Bible verse by verse, and we are now in an amazing section of Scripture. It's called the Olivet Discourse. The reason? Well, Jesus took the disciples to the Mount of Olives, which is just right across the Kidron Valley, overlooking the entire Temple Mount. And the disciples asked Jesus a question, Jesus, do you see the temple? Do you see the zenith of the the Jewish religion of Judaism? Isn't it amazing? The temple was glorious. It was one of the wonders of the world. Uh, Billions of dollars poured into the building of that temple. It was stunningly beautiful with gold overlaid all over it. White Jerusalem stone. Uh, Josephus, the historian of that age, said when the sun would rise in the morning, the temple would just radiate, just reflect the suns. It looked like it was illuminated. It was so bright. And uh, they said, yeah, do you see this temple? And Jesus shocked them. He said, hey, do you see these things? Not one stone will be left upon another. And that blew the disciples' minds. And they thought, well, the end of the world must be coming. I mean, how could this possibly happen? And it did. It was fulfilled literally in 70 AD. Uh, Titus and the Roman legion came in and lit the temple on, on fire and uh, uh, under the, the lead of Vespasian. And, the, you know, the, the whole temple was completely destroyed. The gold melted into the cracks of the rocks. The looters came in, tore apart the temple you know, stone by stone to get the gold out, and it was literally fulfilled. And so Jesus telling them this, the disciples baffled by it, they start asking questions, well, what is the sign of the end of the age, and when are these things going to happen? And Jesus, last week, in Matthew chapter 24, we looked at it, Jesus uh, talked to us about the tribulation period. And the tribulation period we looked at last week, it is the most horrifying seven years of human history, the last seven years of human history as we know it, the end of the age as we know it. And we looked at that last week, a message titled Terrifying Times for Planet Earth. And uh, we're going to see, we saw last week, it was a time of evil and deception and pestilence and natural disasters and famine and genocide such as the world has never seen. The Bible tells us that during that time of the tribulation period, over 2.7 billion people will be killed. Uh, impossible to, for us to fathom how many times that is, how many people that is. If in the United States there are 330 million people, if everyone in the United States was killed, it would they would have to be killed eight times over 
everyone in the United States to reach 2.7 billion people. And so this is a destructive time. It will end with the, se the seven-year tribulation period will end with the battle of Armageddon. A time when Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, what? No flesh would be saved. Speaking of nuclear war, something written uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus prophesied this. It wasn't even possible until the bomb was invented in 1940-something. In, uh, uh, wasn't even possible. And yet Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, there would be no flesh left. And so we looked at that, that last week, and Jesus gave good news. He says, but for the elect's sake, for Israel's sake, those days will be shortened. Why? Because God has made a promise to the nation Israel, and we're going to look at that more today, and uh, uh, those days will be shortened because God made a promise to Israel that he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And so today we jump into our uh, next section. We're going verse by verse through this, and the next section Jesus tells us about, he's told us about the seven-year tribulation period, and now he's going to tell us about the glorious return of Jesus. And that's the title of the message today, The Glorious Return of King Jesus. And so we pick it up right where we left off, Matthew 24. We read verse 22 last week. We'll pick it up there again right now. And if you're there, give me a big amen. amen. Matthew 24, 22. And unless those days were shortened, Jesus said, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then, or it could say, so, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. Jesus is now going to be talking about his return. And he says, listen, uh, when I come, uh, it's going to be glorious. If anyone tells you, I'm, I've, Jesus came back, don't believe it. Uh, the Jehovah's Witness, by the way, they say Jesus came back. 1914, I believe it was. They say Jesus came back secretly. Nobody saw it except just a few elect Jehovah's Witness, right? Uh, and he came back secretly. And now if you are one of the up, up, up and ups in the club, then you can know about Jesus' return. Jesus says, nonsense. Uh, uh, if anyone says that I've come back, look what he says. Uh, don't believe it. Uh, don't listen to them. Don't fall for their deceptions. Verse 24. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are what? Miracles. They're going to show great miracles. And we looked at that last week. The, the, the Antichrist is going to set up something that Jesus uh, taught us last week. Was the abomination of desolation. He's going to come onto the scene as a world leader. And he's going to embrace all the world religions. He's going to raise up a religious leader uh, that is his right-hand man. And he's going to embrace all the world religions. He's going to say, yeah, whatever you want to believe. You want to believe Islam? No problem. You want to be a Hindu? No problem. You want to believe in uh, uh, Buddha? No problem. Just it's, We all worship the same God. 
And the world's going to go, yeah, that's what we've been saying all along. And they're going to embrace him. And he's going to use religion to propel himself as a world leader. And we looked at this last week, uh, but just as a review, uh, the Bible calls it the harlot that rides the beast. The harlot will sleep with anyone. That's all the world religions. And the Antichrist, the beast, carries her on his back in order to bring himself into world power and world fame. But he hates it, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that in the middle of the tribulation period, he's going to make a peace treaty with Israel. And the Jews and the Arabs will be getting along. He's going to make an agreement with them. We looked at this last week. We see the the pump is being primed for this right now with the Abraham Accords. These things are already happening. And he'll make this peace treaty and he'll divide the Temple Mount and the Jews will be worshiping on it and the Muslims will be worshiping on it and there'll be a wall of separation in between and the whole world will hail him as a world leader. But he does all this just to propel himself into power. In the middle of the tribulation period, the Bible says that he turns and he devours the harlot and he eats her. Crazy imagery. Crazy imagery. He goes against all these world religions and he says, listen, I know, I told you we all worship the same God and we do. And by the way, it's moi. It's me. And he sets up an image of himself in the newly rebuilt Jewish temple. It may be a makeshift temple. It may just be an altar, but they'll be giving sacrifices there. And he'll set up an image of himself. And the Bible calls that image, we looked at this last week, it happens in the middle of the tribulation period, calls it what? The abomination of what? Desolation. Or in other words, the abomination against God that causes desolation of the whole world. The destruction of the whole world. And he makes everybody on the earth worship him and take a mark in their hand where they cannot buy or sell without that mark. It's called the mark of the beast. We covered this last, this last, last week. And uh, if you don't take that mark, you're killed. Uh, if you are waiting to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior... You kind of believe, but you're thinking, I want to sin for a while. I want to be a pagan. I don't want to follow Jesus now. I'll do it later. You are playing with fire. Two things of instruction for you. Number one, you cannot come to Jesus Christ unless he calls you. And you are playing a game with him, and you don't know that he'll call you if you're playing games with him. If you're playing games with him, that means he's calling you now and you're ignoring it. Hey, don't, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Be careful. That's not a smart game. Secondly, if you think you'll be able to stand for Jesus during the tribulation period, if you can't stand for Jesus now, today it's, it's easy to stand for Jesus in comparison. Uh, during the tribulation period, if you take a stand for Jesus, what will it cost you? Your life. It'll cost you your life. Because you'll either have to worship this image, this Antichrist, and take his mark, or you will be killed. And so uh, he says, hey, listen, verse 24, there's going to be false Christ. 
That's the Antichrist. And false prophets. There'll be a bunch of false prophets. There'll be one main false prophet. uh, And they will rise up and they're going to show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. He says, listen, I have told you these things beforehand. Pay attention. Walk with me now. Don't put off making Jesus your Lord and Savior. I'm telling you these things before they happen so that you can be prepared and you cannot have to go through all of this. Verse 26, therefore, if they say to you, look, he, that's Jesus, the return of Jesus, he is in the desert, what does he say? Do not go. Hey, he's in the, he's in Dubai. Do not go. He's in the plain of Shinar. Do not go. He's in the uh, wherever. Do not go. Don't go. Don't listen. Or look, he's in their inner rooms. Yeah, he appeared to this special club. Do not believe it, he says. Look at verse 27. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west. In other words, as lightning lights up the entire sky so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus will return in brilliant glory, in radiant glory, and every eye on earth shall see, and every tongue shall confess, He is God. He's going to come in great and glorious power, and nothing, nothing will be able to to stop him or to hinder him. Uh, He will return in brilliant glory, uh, and every eye will see. Put that slide up for me, if you will, Jen. Um, And look what he says. This is very interesting. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Uh, Interesting phrase. Wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. We'll look at that in just a minute. Uh, But here we clearly see at the end of the tribulation period, Jesus will return in brilliant glory, and you don't want to be fooled uh, by anything else. Uh, Don't be deceived. There's going to be all kinds of false teachers that come along and say all kinds of crazy things. They might even do amazing miracles. We know the false prophet will do all kinds of miracles. Uh, We looked at last week, the Bible tells us he will even call fire down from heaven at his command, and it will happen. He will even be able to give life to the statue so that it moves and speaks. That statue that the Antichrist raises up, uh, the false prophet will give life to it. It'll say, he is God, worship him, and everybody will go, wow, never seen such miracles. Be careful of wanting miracles too badly. Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after signs and miracles. Uh, it's, it's not a good thing to seek after. We're to seek after the true and living Christ. And if you do, uh, you seek him for him, good news. Miracles happen in your life. But they follow those who seek Jesus. We don't want to get it the other way around. We don't want to seek miracles and use Jesus as the vessel to get those miracles. No, no, no. We want to follow Jesus 
and miracles and signs just come as, as a result of, of those who follow Jesus. And so don't be fooled for anything less. When Jesus returns, every eye will see, every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. And that's what the Bible teaches repeatedly. Uh, one of those verses for you is Revelation chapter 1 on your screens. This is verse 7. Uh, let me hear you read this out loud. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. Yeah, some interesting things there. He's coming with the clouds. The Bible tells us he is coming with all the saints. In the book of Jude, uh, verse 14, 114, it's written of Enoch. He was the seventh from Adam. He was a preacher of righteousness. And guess what his message was? Think about the seventh from Adam, how we're going back to the very beginning of human history. And guess what Enoch's message was? He was a preacher of righteousness. And guess what he preached? The second coming of Jesus Christ. Amazing, amazing. Jesus hadn't even come the first time yet, and Enoch was already preaching of his second coming. It is the most prophesied event in the entire Bible, and here's what Enoch said. He said, the Lord is coming with 10,000s of his saints with him. The word 10,000 doesn't mean 10,000. The Greek word is myriads. It means an uncount, uncountable number. The Lord is coming with myriads of his saints with him. Who are those myriads, by the way? It's us. Next week, we're going to look at the rapture of the church. A lot of you have been asking me since we started this series, is the church going to go through these things? Kind of, you know, uh, a little uh, trepidation, a little fear, and rightfully so. Uh, we'll look at that next week, uh, if the church will go through these things or not. We'll look at the rapture of the church next week. But um, bring that slide back up, that Revelation slide. He's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him. Even they who were rejecting him. Even they that said crucify him, crucify him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why will they mourn? Because they've been against him. And now he's coming to bring judgment. And they will mourn. And look what it says. Even so, what? Amen, which means what? It means a man or a woman. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. What does a man mean? Let it be so. Let it be so. Even so, even though Jesus is coming back and he's going to bring judgment on all those who are against him, all the Christ-rejecting uh, people who would not acknowledge what he did for them on the cross, who would not receive his offer of salvation. He is bringing judgment upon them. And uh, this passage says, uh, even so, amen. Let it be, let it be. So uh, an amazing passage. Make no mistake about it. Jesus will not return secretly in some remote area of the earth where only a few people know about it. He will literally come back. And the Bible tells us specifically he's coming back to Jerusalem. Specifically to the Mount of Olives. And the whole world will change when he does. The Mount of Olives will bow and become a plain when he sets foot on it. The mountain will bow before him. 
Tremendous geographical changes at his return. He's going to shake the entire earth uh, and he's going to govern the entire earth. And this is really cool. At the return of Jesus Christ, he restores the earth to its Eden-like state. Can't you, aren't, don't you just long for that? The Bible says the lion will lay down with the lamb. Satan will be bound. He won't be able to tempt us anymore. He'll be put, down, put, put away. Uh, uh, the, the, the lion will lay down with the lamb. There won't be anything that hurts. Uh, there will be no more murder. There'll be no more war. There'll be no more drugs. There'll be no more death. It'll be an amazing millennial reign of Jesus Christ as he rules physically and bodily from Jerusalem and all the nations of the earth will come and worship him. Uh, there's going to be a divine one world government. Uh, we so want a one world government, don't we? Uh, even uh, some in our current uh, government, some in our current administration uh, would love the UN to rise up in power and let's all just be kumbaya. It makes sense. It makes sense. I want you to know, communism in its purity makes sense. Everything in common, it makes sense. There's only one big problem. Do you know what that big problem is? Sin. Sin. It doesn't work because those who are in power get corrupted absolutely and they don't share everything. No, they hoard. And those when, when you know, it would make total sense that, hey, what I have is yours, what you have is mine. But then because of our sin nature, what happens to us? Well, then why work, right? And because of sin, communism will never work. Because of sin, uh, this idea of socialism will never work. But the world is wanting it, right? And uh, there is a leader coming. His name is Jesus. And he will usher in a millennial kingdom where everything on the earth will be righteous. Under his reign and rule, uh, the earth will be back in its Eden-like stake for a thousand years. And this is what we are longing for. Do you remember on your Christmas cards that we send out every year, we put this verse from Isaiah. It says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Do you know that verse? Uh, what does that mean? Let's look at the verse, Isaiah 9. Uh, this is the verse in context. Let me hear you read this. Uh, the people who walk in darkness, we're talking about Israel, will see a great light. Let's pause there. Who's the great light? Jesus. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of the shadow of death, upon them a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. Who's the you there? Jesus. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to enlarge the nation of Israel. When God made a promise with Abraham and he gave him the territory that the promised land was supposed to be, God's people, Abraham's people, people the nation Israel, they've never inherited the entire promised land. It's a huge area. 
Uh, we argue about the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. And, and yeah, it's going to be that and more. And when Jesus comes, he's going to enlarge the nation of Israel and its people, the Jews, will rejoice. Read with me. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest. And like warriors dividing the plunder. Yeah, like when there's a great harvest and you, you know, send the laborers out into the field and you bring all the produce back and you go, we're rich, look at all this food. And there's just joy, right? Or like warriors dividing the plunder. Gosh, we're rich, look at all this. Uh, that's what's going to happen. Um, rest of the verse. For you will break the yoke of their bondage and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. What's that? Yeah, the army of Midian, what was that? Well, that was Gideon. Do you remember the story of Gideon? He was afraid, he, but he put together a, a, a ragtag team of warriors, and they went out, and what happened? God gave them a tremendous victory. They didn't even have to do anything. It was all by God's power. And he says, you're going to rejoice like that. There's going to be bondage on Israel. It already is. It's the most, uh, they're the most oppressed people in the history of the earth. Uh, even today, uh, they're, they have to have an iron dome all around them because, uh, uh, well, last month they had 4,000 missiles shot over by Hamas into them. Uh, they're, they're under bondage, right? And uh, he says, hey, you're going to destroy them. Uh, let's go on. The, the, well, we'll read this, verse 5. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. No need for them anymore. They'll be fuel for the fire. Uh, that's speaking of what's going to happen in the, at the end of the tribulation period. And then this verse that we put on Christmas cards comes in. So crazy. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. Has that happened yet? Well, the son was given, but the government of this world has not been yet rested on his shoulders, but it will be. And oh, how the earth longs for the day. The book of Romans tells us that all of creation groans with utterings that cannot be uttered. Uh, even the trees, even the animals, all of it just groaning, waiting for righteousness and justice to be on the earth. Aren't you tired of the injustice, of the, of the crime, of the evil, of the wickedness that is prevalent on the earth? And don't you long for the day when righteousness reigns? Well, that will happen at the return, at the glorious return of Jesus. The government of this world will rest upon his shoulders, and he shall be called, say these with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Who will be called those things? Jesus, Jesus, the mighty God, Jesus, the everlasting God, the everlasting Father, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Just an amazing, amazing verse. Uh, let's go on, the rest of the verse. His government and its peace will never end. If you're wondering if Jesus fulfilled that yet, no, it wasn't figurative because it says his government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. 
the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Wow. It will be for all eternity that he will rule and reign. And uh, the Lord, it's his commitment that's going to make this happen. Not ours, not Israel's, not anyone else's. This is his plan, his passion, and he will redeem. We often talk about the triumphal entry of Jesus riding in on a donkey into Jerusalem. That was not the triumphal entry. This is the triumphal entry. Lightning will flash from the east to the west. His radiant glory, his brightness will be so bright, it'll be like a lightning bolt. It'll fill the entire sky. Every eye on earth will see. Uh, Oh, how amazing. And uh, the theme of Jesus' return in power and glory permeates the entire Bible. The Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, it's all about the return of Jesus. I mentioned this last week. For every prophecy about the first coming of Jesus, and that was a pretty important event, right? The first coming of Jesus. For every prophecy about the first coming of Jesus, there are eight prophecies about his second coming. It is the most talked about time of all of human history in the Bible, and uh, it is soon coming, soon coming. But Jesus says before he returns, there'll be false teachers and false Christs. And they will be gregarious, and they will be appealing, and they will be charming, and they will do miracles to deceive, if possible, even the very elect. And Jesus says, do not believe them. And then he says something very interesting. Did you catch it? For wherever the carcass is, what does it say? There the eagles will be gathered together. Eagles is a bad translation. The correct translation would be a vulture. Wherever the carcass is, there a vulture will be gathered. What the heck does that mean? What is Jesus saying? Well, he's saying don't be deceived by the false Christ. Don't be deceived by the really charismatic, winsome religious leaders that deceive you. Don't fall to them. Uh, And so in context, what he's saying is a carcass, uh, a regular carcass is what? What is it? What kind of body? A dead body. And here's what he's saying. Don't be spiritually dead. Because just like when there's a physical dead body, what circles overhead? Vultures. Well, when there's a spiritual dead body, guess what circles overhead? False teachers to devour and to eat you up. Here's what Jesus is saying. Don't be a carcass. Don't be a carcass. Make Jesus your Lord. Make Jesus your Savior. Know Jesus well. Do not be deceived. Do not be spiritually dead. Don't be a carcass. A great little one-sentence Phrase, wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will be gathered together. And wherever the spiritually dead are, there will be false teachers to devour them. Interesting. Interesting. We see this already happening today. And unless we are born again, we will be deceived by these false teachers. Unless we are abiding in Jesus Christ through his word, the Bible, we will fall victim to these false teachers. 
We'll go in, into a service. We'll hear some stuff. It'll be wrong, and we won't even know, and we'll walk out. And here's what's happening. Vultures are circling over your head. And guess who they're trying to eat? You. You're the food. And they want to devour you. And I want you to know the pump is already being primed. Like all the things of the last day's events, the pump is already being primed. Today there are false teachers and false churches abounding. Even in North County, they're here. And you want to stay away. You know what they talk about, the false teachers? Prosperity and wealth and your greatness, or you got to do this. And you know what it is? It's a false gospel. The word gospel, what does it mean? Good news. And they present it as good news, but it's not. And these prosperity teachers, here's what they say. Yeah, God wants to bless you. God wants to make you wealthy and prosperous. God wants you to have your best life now. You need to be amazing. You can name it and claim it in Jesus' name. And the devil has to flee from you. And you've got power. And, and who are they building up? They're building you up. They're appealing to your ego. They're appealing to your flesh because you love money. I, I love money. Everyone loves money. It's called the sin nature. And we have to die to that sin nature. But they don't tell you to die to it. They tell you to live to it and to name it and claim it. And Jesus exists to make you powerful, wealthy, and strong. Crazy. Crazy. It's every good lie is 90% truth mixed with 10% false, falsehood, 10% lie. And that's what they do. They start taking the words of the Bible and the words of Jesus and they start putting a different dictionary to those words. And so they say things that sound good and the spiritually dead come in and they have vultures cir circling over their head. And here's what will happen. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a gospel. It's not a good news. What is the gospel? The real gospel is this. That God so loved you. He created you for himself. And even though that we're sinful and really messed up, he provided atonement for our sins through Jesus' work on the cross. Jesus took the punishment of our sin upon his own shoulders so that we could have his righteousness given to us freely without work, without merit, or without anything just by believing that God loves us that much. That's good news. You don't have to do anything. You just have to say, Jesus, I, I have sinned against you. I believe that you did this for me. Thank you. You just have to say thank you. And he will give you eternal life. You'll be born again. And he'll put his spirit within you. And you'll begin to live differently. You begin to see differently. And when the, when the, the vultures start speaking to you, you'll go, that's not right. You're trying to eat me. And you'll get into a good Bible teaching church. But when you're spiritually dead, none of that will happen. And they'll tell you, hey, you need to, you're going to be wealthy. You're going to be powerful. Name it and claim it. Proclaim it. You just got to have faith. And it's all about you having what? Enough faith. And you just got to believe. And to show you believe, what do you have to do? Get your wallets out. Everybody show me your credit card. Everybody show me. Yeah, and they'll, they'll take two or three offerings and they'll constantly, and you know what they are? They're, they're eating you up. They're vultures. 
Can you tell I'm passionate about this? Oh, I want to shut these churches down. I'm trying to get the pastors of North County together to do something against these false teachers. Um, pray for me on that. Uh, I'm not getting a lot of traction right now. Uh, but know this, the pump is already being primed. And these false teachers are all around. And again, they're talking about things. They worship a different Jesus. And the gospel they give you is not a real gospel. It's a false gospel. It's not good news at all. Here's why. Even though it starts sounding good, then you have a big problem in your life. A child dies. You get cancer. And you're not healed because uh, God doesn't heal everybody. We're all going to die. His, God's will is that all of us would die. It's how we, how we move from this life to the next. I, I lost my father-in-law this week. It's God's will. It's God's will. And when you're not healed, and when your business goes bankrupt, or when something doesn't happen, they say, well, you just don't have enough faith. And even though it looks hard right now, now's the time you really want to lean in and you really want to give more. Give a bigger offering and then God will see. You're, you're almost there. You're right on the precipice. Now just show God that you have faith right now and, and give a big offering and God will heal and you'll be well. Oh, vultures, man, vultures. And you know what happens? Here's why it's a false gospel. That's not a gospel at all. That's all dependent upon you doing the work. Not Jesus doing the work. And when that happens, it's only a matter of time before you say, I give up. I tried that, man. It doesn't work. And you give up on Jesus. Problem is, you're giving up on a wrong Jesus. That's, you, never, you never knew the true Jesus. And uh, Jesus says, listen, don't be, don't be fooled. Wherever a carcass is, wherever a spiritually dead person is, there's going to be vultures telling you what you want to hear, giving you the message you want to hear. Whether that's uh, Islam or uh, self-help or whatever it is, uh, plenty of false teachers to devour you and to sell you their books. Uh, by the way, this is nothing that the Bible doesn't warn us about. Paul said these very things would happen. Uh, look at this verse in Galatians, Galatians 1.7. Let me hear you read this. There are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's exactly what those false teachers do. They pervert the good news of Jesus. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached... Let him be accursed. The Greek word is anathema. The, the, it means let them be judged in hell. You think I was passionate. Uh, Paul even more so. Uh, and so be careful, right? The Bible says these things will happen. Be wise. Don't be a carcass. Everybody say, I'm not going to be a carcass. The only way that can happen is if you're born again. If you say, Jesus, I want to walk with you. Jesus, I believe you did these things for me. Help me to know you. Give me life. Uh, Jesus says, all who come to me, I will in no way cast out. And he will put his spirit inside of us. And he will lead, guide, and direct us into all truth. His work, not ours. To the glory and praise of Jesus' name. Uh, so, uh, uh, the clock is ticking. Let's move on. Uh, Jesus tells us that he will return... 
at the end of the tribulation period. His glorious return will be at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Look at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, from the sky. The stars will fall out of the sky. And the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Wow, crazy. In Revelation chapter 8, it talks about the trumpet judgments. And God uh, brings these judgments on the earth. And it's like he says, do you guys like darkness so much? I'm going to give you darkness. And uh, a, a third of the sun is blocked out. A third of the moon is blocked out. A third of the stars are blocked, blocked out. And there's tremendous darkness on the earth. Uh, Jesus says, you like darkness? I'll give you darkness, right? Uh, that's going to happen. Uh, verse 30. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven, in the skies. He's going to open up heaven and Jesus is going to come in all of his glory and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn. We just read that passage from Isaiah, right? Why will they mourn? They're going to go, oy vey. It's kind of like uh, Saul of Tarsus. Do you remember Saul of Tarsus? What was he doing to the church? Persecuting it until Jesus comes and meets him one day. And he's blinded by the radiant glory of Jesus. And Paul asks this question, who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? And I bet he muttered under his breath, please don't say you're Jesus. Please don't say you're Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus answers, he says, I am Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. And Paul mourned, but he mourned to repentance here, these are going to mourn, not to repentance, but to judgment. At the end of the tribulation, there is no repentance allowed. Uh, all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven in power and great glory as God. In power and great glory. Not in power and great glory. Uh, in power and great glory as God. Oh, how amazing. If you want to read more, read Revelation 19, speaking of his glorious return. Oh, I wish we had time to go there. So powerful. Uh, verse 31. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And he will gather together his elect from the four winds. From one end of heaven to the other. Uh, I want you to circle the word gather his elect. Um, interesting, this passage. Uh, this passage, by the way, this verse has caused a lot of Christians to believe in a post-tribulation rapture. Because it clearly says at the end of the tribulation, he's going to come and he's going to gather his elect from the four winds of heaven. Uh, and so a lot of people, a lot of Christians believe in a post-tribulation rapture. What does that mean, post-tribulation rapture? Uh, well, the Bible teaches there's actually something called the rapture. Sounds crazy, um, but this is God's plan. We're going to look at it next week. Uh, you can come back next week and we'll get the, all the details on it. But there's going to be a time, there's going to be a generation that doesn't die, but are actually taken up into heaven 
and transformed in a moment. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ will be resurrected. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air with all the saints. We're going to get our glorified bodies at that time. We'll look at this next week. Uh, But there's a lot of question about when that happens. And some Christians think, Uh, because of this verse right here, that it happens at the end of the tribulation period, which would make sense. Look at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation, then verse 31, he sends his angels with the sound of a great trumpet. There's the trumpet. And they'll be gathered together. Uh, Sounds like the rapture. His elect from the four winds of heaven. So sounds like it, right? I can see why that misunderstanding happens. But let's look. The question has to be asked, who then are the elect in this passage. Who are the elect? He will gather his elect. Uh, A couple of uh, possibilities here. Um, During the tribulation period, uh, the Jews will be scattered all over the earth again. Uh, Right now, uh, the Jews have been regathered into the land. Uh, They were scattered in AD 70, right? In AD 70, during the Jewish war, Rome started killing Christians. They killed one point, excuse me, killing Jews. They killed 1.1 million Jews. And the Jews scattered all over the earth. It was called the diaspora, right? They scattered all over the earth. And they remained scattered all over the earth until 1948. In 1948, miraculously, supernaturally, God called the nation back home. And he brought the Jews back into their homeland. Now they're getting stronger. And it needs to be. Because in order for the end times events to happen, the Jews have to be in their land. And they have to be worshiping at the temple. Because that's where the abomination of desolation gets set up. Right? So they have to be in their homeland. But when the abomination of desolation gets set up, the Antichrist will then start killing all the Jews who don't worship him. And guess what will happen to the Jews again? They'll be dispersed all over the earth again. As they run to flee from the persecution and the genocide of the Antichrist. At the genocide of Adolf Hitler, six million Jews were were killed. At the genocide of the Antichrist, it'll make that look like child's play. So many Jews will will be murdered. And so they'll be dispersed all over. The first thing Jesus does when he comes back is he sounds the trumpet and calls all the Jews that were scattered all over the earth to come back home to the nation Israel. It's safe now. Your king has come. And they will come back under his rule and under his reign, and he will fulfill the Davidic covenant uh, that he promised to them. He will call them from, from the four corners of the earth. And so we learn then that Matthew twenty four thirty one is about the regathering of Israel not the rapture. The regathering of Israel, not the rapture. The rapture will happen, we'll look at it next week, before the tribulation period. This is not about the rapture, it's about the regathering of Israel. And most people who hold a post-tribulation rapture get confused on this verse, and that's why their theology gets mixed up on the rapture. But we'll look at that more next week. By the way, this regathering of the nation Israel in the end times was 
prophesied and spoken of in countless verses all through the Bible. Uh, I, could, I could put so many verses on the screens for you. I'm going to give you just two, uh, but there's a lot more. If you want more, you can email me. I'll give them to you. Here's the, uh, Revela- excuse me, Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, look at this one. This is Isaiah 11:12. Let me hear you read this. He, that's Jesus, will set up a banner for the nations, and he will assemble the outcast of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah. Read it with me from the four corners of the earth. Uh, That was written 700 years before Jesus came. Uh, And it's talking about exactly what's happening. You can put that reference right by uh, that verse uh, uh, in your Bible right there. Uh, Here's another one for you. This one's longer, so bear with me on this one. This isn't from the book of Zechariah, chapter 2. Let me hear you read this. Up, up, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of heavens, declares the Lord. Up, escape to Zion, you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For thus said the Lord of hosts, after his glory, sent me to the nations who plundered you. Crazy. Sent me, God speaking personally, to the nations who sent me to bring judgment on them. Look what he says. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Behold, I will shake my hand over them and they shall become plunder for those who served them. That's Israel. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst declares the Lord. Wow. I'm coming and I'm going to regather you and those who have oppressed you will become your plunder and I will dwell in your midst and he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. I know this. You touch my daughter and you're touching the apple of my eye. You You mess with one of my kids or you do something evil to my... You're messing with the apple of my eye. And God says, hey, when you touch my people, you're touching the apple of my eye, the, the, you know, the dear love that Jesus has. So amazing, right? After Jesus regathers the Jews back to Israel, he's going to set up his millennial kingdom. And uh, verse 29 and 30 teach us that there's a pre-millennial return of Jesus. Uh, for, this is for you Bible scholars, uh, If it's your first time here, just let this blow over your mind. No big deal. Uh, But we believe in a pre-millennial return of Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus returns before the thousand-year rule and reign of Christ, right? I say that because there's some who teach a post-millennial return. That means that the church brings in, ushers in the kingdom age, and then Jesus returns, nonsense, bad doctrine, bad doctrine. Uh, the world's not getting better, have you noticed? Yeah, uh, that's, that's just bad doctrine. And so uh, uh, there's also those who are amillennial. They say there is no really millennial period. Uh, you're actually in the millennial period right now. Uh, this is it, it's figurative and uh, bad doctrine. We believe in a pre-millennial 
uh, return of Jesus, that Jesus comes back and then sets up the millennial kingdom. Uh, so anyway, let's see if we can wrap up the, this, these verses. Uh, verse 32. Uh, Jesus now gives us a parable, and he tells us to be ready. To be ready, to be watching, to be lo- looking for his return. Uh, verse 32. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When the branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. I love the springtime. Uh, I did six hours worth of yard work yesterday. I was like in the yard the whole day, trimming trees and everything. We've got these two avocado trees, and they are just loaded with these little baby avocados about the size of a pencil eraser right now. And I'm like, oh, what does that tell me? Summer's coming, summer's coming, and it's going to be an amazing harvest, right? Uh, and here's what Jesus says. When you see this happening, when you see the, 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 the fig tree begin to blossom, or any tree, Luke's gospel tells us, begin to blossom and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. Let's break that down a little bit. When you see all these things, what are all these things? All the things he's been talking about in Matthew 24. When you see the birth pangs of the earth increasing, and we looked at that two weeks ago, we saw that happening. When you see the, the, the natural disasters coming more and pestilences coming more, and those know that it's at the doors. When you see a false world leader come in, come into the scene and unite the nations together, Oh, you know it's at the doors. When you see the abomination of desolation, you know it's at the doors. What's it? It's Jesus' return, right? You know that Jesus' return, it's going to happen. Pay attention, he says. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. I want you to underline the words, this generation. This generation will not pass until all these things take, take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven means sky, by the way, not heaven that you go to. Uh, heaven, sky, sky and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Uh, we'll wrap up on this and, and then uh, begin to uh, prepare our hearts for communion. Uh, this generation, this generation... Who is Jesus talking about when he says this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place? Who is Jesus speaking of when he says this generation? A lot of different opinions on what that is. Some say this generation is the 12 disciples. That the 12 disciples uh, are the generation that Jesus was talking to. Uh, But Jesus couldn't have been referring to the disciples because they all long died before these things took place, right? Um, Some in the Reformed camp believe that uh, uh, it was the disciples and that AD 70, uh, you know, when the temple was destroyed and the Jews were scattered all over, that it fulfilled all these things and the disciples were still alive at this time, so that's who this generation was problem with that is it doesn't fit because even though uh that did happen at the jewish war in 8070 uh there weren't earthquakes 
There weren't pestilences. There wasn't an antichrist that came in. There wasn't all the world coming together against God. And Jesus clearly didn't return, right? So it can't be the disciples. No way. No way. Uh, some say this generation means the generation that is alive when all these things take place. Uh, and I guess that's possible, but if it is that, it's not really saying much other than Jesus' return will happen immediately uh, when, you know, after the seven-year period. Um, I personally believe this generation refers to the, to the Jews, the Jewish people, the nation Israel. He's saying, the Jewish people, the nation Israel, I'm going to preserve them, I'm going to protect them, I'm going to build them, and even amidst the diaspora of, uh, excuse me, the diaspora of 8070, uh, even though uh, the anti-Semitism through the ages, even though the genocide that's going to happen in the tribulation period, even though Satan is going to try to wipe off every Jew from the face of the earth in the tribulation period, I'm going to preserve the Jewish nation. This generation will not pass away. And uh, Jesus says, it is for sure. And so Jesus will preserve and restore the Jews. And he will uh, set up Israel as where he, as where he places his throne. Uh, his throne will be from Israel, from uh, Jerusalem. He'll be ruling and reigning for a thousand years. And here's what he says to that. He says, it's my covenant with the nation Israel and it will never end. It will never end. And as we've already looked, all through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, this covenant is, re is reaffirmed. Paul reaffirmed it in Romans chapter 11. He said, hey, look, God is going to fulfill his purpose with the nation Israel, even though they're against Jesus right now. And Jesus says that, verse 35, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Jesus is saying the solar system may fail, the sky may crumble, uh, the earth may fail, but my words will not fail. I'm going to preserve and restore the Jews, and I'm going to set up my throne uh, in Israel. I want to give you one more verse. Can you handle one more verse? It's a long one. Uh, it's in the book of Jeremiah, and I want you to read this with me, and then we'll take communion together. I'm going to have the men prepare to pass out the elements right now and invite Jimmy to come back on stage. And again, uh, this is Jesus saying what he just said here in Matthew 24, speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, and he's saying, I'm going to regather my people, I'm going to preserve them, I'm going to set up my kingdom in them. Um, let's close with this verse. Read it with me out loud. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. Israel was the northern kingdom. Judah was the southern kingdom. They were divided when this was written. Jesus is saying, I'm going to make a new covenant with the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the Jewish people, the nation Israel. Verse 32. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. What's he saying? It's not going to be like the covenant with Moses. What was the Mosaic covenant? The Ten Commandments. Where if you obey them, this is what will happen, right? Uh, he says it's not going to be like that. Verse 33. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. 
I will put my commandments deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. We get to participate in this fulfillment of it a little bit as a church because he does that for, for those who are born again. He's going to do it completely and in fullness uh, on all humanity and on the nation Israel. Uh, look at this. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already says the Lord stop there a second why will they already know him why because he's going to be ruling bodily and physically from Jerusalem he's going to be the king of all the earth and you won't have to tell anybody, hey, you should believe in Jesus. No, he's going he's to be like your boss, right? Uh, he's going to be ruling on the earth. Uh, everyone will know him from the least to the greatest. Uh, <clears throat> read with me. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. The there is speaking of Israel. I'll forgive them completely. Look at verse 35. It is the Lord who provides the sun to light the day and the moon and the stars to light the night. And who stirs the sea into roaring waves. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies. And this is what he says. Notice, what is he saying? He's saying, look, I'm the one who makes the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything. And I'm going to fulfill this. Look what he says. I am as, as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish the laws of nature. This is what the Lord says. Just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored, so I will not consider casting them, that's Israel, away for the evil they have done. I, the Lord, have spoken. The day is coming, says the Lord, when all Jerusalem will be rebuilt for me. The city will never again be captured or destroyed. I skipped verse 39 because you already read so much, but it just gives geographical areas that he's going to rebuild. It's all of Israel. And here's what he's saying. Heaven and earth may fail. The sky may fail. Everything may fail, but I'm, this will never fail. I'm going to restore and rebuild Israel. And Jesus quotes that when he says, even if the sun and the moon fail. Uh, my words will not fail. This generation will never pass. God has a plan for the nation Israel. He's coming back to fulfill his covenant with them, to build them. God keeps his words. He's a savior, and he's coming back to rule and reign physically, bodily from Jerusalem. That is his covenant with the nation Israel. And aren't you glad? Uh, aren't you glad? Right now, we get to participate in his new covenant with us, the church, uh, that our sins are washed away. And that by his stripes, our sins have been healed. By his stripes, our sinful nature has been healed. And we are made clean. We are made righteous. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.